if I start dozing off, because <laughs> it is, you know, four in the morning, um, just like if I if I start dozing off, like while you're talking about your subject, just find a good stopping place to pause and then just make like a really loud noise to wake me up and I'll edit that out. <laughs> <clears throat> So hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Conspiracies and Cryptids with Sammy and Tessa. Um, as you may or may not know, Tessa is still on her hiatus. Uh, she is working hard, writing news stories, and in 2020, you can only imagine how difficult that must be, and how or how difficult that must be, and how much she probably has on her plate. Not to mention, she's also been dealing and struggling with a sinus problem. Um, it's She's been explaining it to me. It sounds super gross and super painful. So she's had that on top of all of the work that she's been doing. So our thoughts, prayers, and positive energy goes out to Tessa this week. We love and miss her. Um, but filling in for her this week is my friend Brad. He works over on the Fates of Eisen podcast. Brad, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast? Um, well, um, my name is Brad, as you already covered. I am from New Zealand, which is why to your listeners, uh, I probably sound very strange. Um, it is, <laughs> it's currently 9pm where I am, uh, and which means that uh, Sammy is a, is a massive soldier uh, at 4am right now. So <laughs> uh, that, that, um, uh, that, that explains sort of uh, where we're both at at the, at the moment. But The Fate of Ison is a D&D podcast um, in a homebrew world that I created called Ison. Um, there's many, many stories going on in there. At one point, I think I had seven different games all happening at the same time in the same place that all sort of affected each other tangentially. Oh, oh my God. I've never heard um, of anything that ambitious before. It's it's insane. Think of like uh, TV shows like Game of Thrones and that, right. where where there's like seven or eight different plot lines that all have common links, uh, and it was like that, but with games where it's not scripted and anything can happen that can change all the other games. And yeah, uh, it was stressful. <laughs> that, that's down to about three different stories at the moment, but um, that's still pretty still pretty rough. That's incredible. Oh my god. Yeah, like I said, I've never heard of any sort of D and D game that that's that ambitious or has that many plot points going. So that's, that's good job. That that's <laughs> a lot. Like I've never DM'd or GM'd or anything like that. I've only played dungeons and dragons like a couple of times and the amount of planning that goes into like what the GM or DM does is, is just nuts. I know my brother DMs a lot. Um, so just just the pl like planning that goes into that and having to plan like seven different games that run like simultaneously i i couldn't imagine that's that that blows anything i've ever done out of the water <laughs> yeah it it's stressful but i i i much i prefer it uh, over being a player um, just because I'm a control freak and I like to be the one <laughs> driving what happens. Whereas when you're a player, um, I, I feel very stressed, like constantly having to be active listening to what the, the dungeon master and the players are saying to me um, while also trying to control my own character. I find that a lot more work than just running a game or running seven games. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
the the most recent time I played, I played a really really obnoxious bard. Oh my god, those are the best though. <laughs> he was uh, he was a really obnoxious bard. Um, his his he had some super long name. I mean, like I, I went out of my way to just be. Because I'd, I'd always played serious characters in Dungeons and Dragons, so I was like, and I I hated it. I was like, this is super boring. So my friends was like, he was like, you should try playing a bard and try just having fun with it. Just be as wild as you want. Maybe you'll have more fun. And I did. So it's like his name was like 18 characters long with like six apostrophes in there. And it was shortened down to Dolly. So his name was Dolly, basically. Yeah. And he was like, he had this alternate um alternate persona that was his performance persona and it was basically like a hannah montana sort of situation like he would put on this long blonde wig and basically perform as like a teenage girl (laughs) and it was literally like a hannah montana sort of thing um (laughs) and he was just he all his songs were about like this eldritch god named jolene (laughs) of course it was just and i just kind of went crazy you know so it's like my character would like sneak off to go perform as this like teenage girl and like none of the party members knew what was going on and i was constantly like seducing everything in my path and just it was i'm sure the dm hated me (laughs) (laughs) was the tone of the rest of the game like relatively serious Uh, yes and no like there was there was serious stuff going on for sure but like he really just wanted us to like kind of do our own thing and have fun. So it's like I like my character was always running around with this rogue and we were kind of just screwing everything up because like the rogue was stealing and pickpocketing everybody. And here I was, you know, like running around with him, just playing music as he ran along pickpocketing people. It was just we we just kind of went nuts. So, yeah, but well, that's the point. It's just <laughs> have fun. It's a game. It's a role playing Game. Yeah, like game is a big part of that. Um, yeah, have have a good time. But um, so anyway, so we're gonna do the uh, flipping a penny for your thoughts once again. I've got a different shot glass than the one that we normally use, but um, I'm gonna let you pick whether we do heads or tails, and then we'll see who gets to go first. Okay, uh, heads goes first. Okay, let's wait. See. Heads is who? Who is heads? What? How does this you, work? You pick heads or tails, and if you, if we, how do we? Oh my god! All of a sudden, my brain just farted. You made me question myself. How do um, coins work, Sammy? Explain currency to me now. Oh god! No, I'm not going to do that. Currency really doesn't make much sense. Okay, I'm thinking. No. If, okay, so we'll. You pick heads or tails. If let's say you pick tails and it lands on tails, you go first. If you pick tails and it lands on heads, I'll go first. Okay. I'll, yeah. Okay. okay. That makes it. I'll, I'll pick heads. I don't, I don't know why I suddenly forgot how to do this. It's not like I've been doing this for two and a half years. It's tails, so I go for it. God, I've. <sighs> I go first so often. I'm no, you know what? I'm vetoing that. You go first because both of my guests okay. went second the last two episodes. So no, you go first this time. I'm I'm done going first every time. It's not fun. Okay, so you go first. 
All right, take this, CNC listeners. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Um, straight off the bat with, with the Brad. The Brad? Who the am Bra- I? The Bradster. The Bradster. Oh, I hate me so much. I'm the worst. I am the worst. They call me the Bradster. Oh, my God. Um, okay, we're done with that. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I am um, talking today about a cryptid, a New Zealand cryptid called the Desert Road Goatman. Okay. Um, there's a T in there, Goatman. Uh, I just said <laughs> Goatman. Um, uh, also known as uh, just sometimes the Goatman and also the Hoofman because sometimes things need to be spelled out for people. Um, right. Uh, so, for, yeah, I guess I, I would start with um, a basic geographical description of the, the area where this cryptid is sort of found because I, I imagine a lot of your listeners aren't that familiar with uh, New Zealand's geography, you'd be surprised. We have a decent chunk of our listeners in Australia and New Zealand. So, oh well, they're going to fact check me. So cool. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So uh, yes, yeah, so it's called the Desert Road Goatman. Um, and um, so New Zealand, as most people will know, is is made up of two main islands and a bunch of smaller ones. Um, the two main ones are the South Island, um, and also the North Island is the other one. So okay. pretty, pretty easy so far. Um, <laughs> and are you following me? I think and, so. There's a North Island and a South Island, but there's not an East or West Island. So I think yeah, or to, to complicate things, we can use the, um, the proper indigenous names, uh, Te Wai Ponamu, um, for South Island, um, meaning the waters of Greenstone and okay. North Island is Te Ika a Maui, which is the fish of Maui. Um, okay. So, you know Maui from Moana. If you've seen oh, Disney's yes, Moana. Moana, I know Disney. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maui. Well, the, the, as the legends go, he sat on the South Island okay. and he caught a he caught a giant fish, and that fish was the North Island. So, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the North Island is called that, Te Ika a Maui. That little bit tracks of, with the Disney lore. You know, he had a giant fish hook and he pulled islands up from the water. I just watched that movie like a week ago, so that's the only reason I remember that. Yeah. He and his brothers also um, beat up the sun to make it move slower so days are longer. So you're welcome for that, too. That's, that's part of what the song's about. Um, right, right. Um, and, yeah, and so roughly in the middle of the North Island is a big stretch of highway called the Desert Road. Okay. Uh, which is, as as the name suggests, pretty much just a desert. Not not um, the old typical blistering hot tumbleweeds cactus kind of desert, uh, mm-hmm. but it's more like just a large barren area. Uh, with lots of like long brown tussock grass and like okay. sort of endless planes of brush. Actually, okay. like listeners can pause and do a quick Google search of Desert Road, New Zealand. It's actually quite beautiful. There's some great photos there. Okay. Um, and there's a town on the south end called Waiuru, um, which has the country's biggest military training camp. Um, that'll come up later. Okay. Um, you're you're a military man, Sam, right? Yeah. Air Force, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Thought so. I was like, did I make that up um, nope. in my many fantasies about you that I have for some reason? <laughs> so many fantasies. Wow. Please tell me you started writing fan fiction. <laughs> in this one, you're a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on the north end, there is a town called Turangi. Um, and so basically just between those two towns, there's just this long stretch of road and there's Mount Ropehu, um, on the, to the west of this road, which is, uh, it's one of New Zealand's most active volcanoes okay. and home and also home to some of our most popular ski fields. Cause we like to live dangerously. 
I just took my kids there like last month. Oh my um, god. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at pictures of it. It's really beautiful. Like the, I would never have guessed it was an active volcano. Um, oh, all, almost the entirety of this country is an active volcano. Like you would not believe how much seismic activity is going on here. It doesn't surprise me. You know, like honestly, whenever I think Australia and New Zealand, you know, all I can think of is just everything is out to kill you. And of course, with New Zealand, it's just the entire country is trying to kill you with yeah we we have no dangerous animals like the only dangerous animal we've got is is a single spider that like probably won't kill you it'll just like <laughs> oh, hurt great. you quite a bit but like that's the one that's the one okay. animal here that that can harm you mm-hmm. um apart from like some sharks in the water but that's that's just water that's just <laughs> <laughs> that's most just of the sharks it's <laughs> just, just sharks do be like that you know um, they do <laughs> but yeah the the land itself is what's going to kill you here so okay um, gotcha i mean california was not much different than that you know we had earthquakes all the time i was always waiting for the quote unquote the big one so <laughs> it's uh yeah yeah we we're, we're pretty much always on alert for for the big one um ourselves as well so we can relate uh, yeah, so I mean that basically gives you a general gist of where this happens. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah the road itself, the sort of the southern end of it is is like a long, flat stretch of highway, and the northern end sort of um, bends and and winds through these like really cool orange clay canyons. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just a really diverse and interesting place, and um, there are like there are witness accounts and myths and things, and a number of people who who say that the goat man isn't just found in this area. Mm-hmm. That it's sort of more of a nationwide phenomenon, but um, but everything that I ever heard as a kid, and and everything that I knew before doing any research for this, uh, it was all basically centered around the desert road. So that's gotcha. kind of where my knowledge sits. Um, and so so the desert road goat man, uh, also called Hoofman, as I mentioned, is a half man, half goat creature, as the name suggests, um, that appears to people on this road. And, um, there are differing versions of this. Like some witnesses say it can be anything from like regular adult human sized. Uh, so around five to six feet to, to somewhere around like two and a half meters tall. So about eight feet. Okay. Okay. So he can be Um, a big boy. Yeah. What one version of this creature is that, um, uh, it's like some people say it has the head of a goat with like really long curled horns and like a humanoid shaped body covered in really filthy unwashed fur. Um, and it walks on two legs, but some people say that they've seen it like, you know, like bounding on legs and hands in that creepy horror movie kind of, God, that sounds so great. I love this, this (laughs) love to see it. Um, (laughs) so if you think like maybe a minotaur, but instead of a bullhead, it's a goat head. Right. Yeah. Or or if you've seen the chilling adventures of Sabrina on Netflix, like Satan basically. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think we've had um, another goat man that we've talked about before. I could have sworn Tessa talked about yeah. a different goat man, but anyway, keep going. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, uh, yeah, but although the the stories that I always heard growing up were the opposite of that, is that it was um, just like a regular man, just a regular normal height man of no interesting description, uh, except with goat legs mm-hmm. that you couldn't notice unless he wanted you to um so like in some accounts people would report sort of uneventfully or uh, i guess 
more well, without incident it's not uneventful if you catch a glimpse of like a goat-headed person um <laughs> yeah, no, like along pretty, the... it's pretty eventful <laughs> hey what hey, um yeah on your drive you see anything interesting oh i saw a man with the head of a goat running alongside the car but you know nothing eventful <laughs> um, oh, <boy>. um, <laughs> yeah like yeah a lot of accounts are just people saying like yeah we saw this goat-headed guy like that was weird, but you know, no incident happening um, as it sort of would like rush off into the bushes as cars drive past and things like that. Like mm-hmm. Really um, basic sightings. Um, but a lot of reports uh, or anecdotes about the goat man. Um, and like, I presu- presumably this is the top half human bottom half secret goatee legs version that, that I was familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people will report that it's like they see, they experience him hitchhiking or waving down passing cars to ask for a ride. Um, yeah, only to be let out of the car, like, just a short time later, like, go a hundred meters or a few hundred feet up the road, and then be like, thanks for the ride, see you later. Um, which hmm. is, yeah, which is very strange. <laughs> yeah, uh, in these stories, a uh, people often say that this uh, human man wears a long black trench coat, and is very, very smelly, you know, like someone who's been out on the road for days or weeks. And, right. uh, and after he gets out of your car, you see muddy hoof prints on your passenger side floor. Okay. Um, or in some cases you hear clip clopping as he sort of like trots away on his hoof feet. Okay. Um, and a few reports even say that he just straight up vanishes as soon as you stop the car. So he says, let me out here. You turn the car off and then he's just poof, gone. Okay, so this sounds like a lot of other, like, not cryptids, but, like, um, those kind of urban legends about, like, you know, the, the vanishing hitchhiker and stuff like that. Only in yeah. this case, it's it's the hitchhiker's, like, a fawn with goat yeah, legs. Yeah, there's a sort of a satyr, a, a, a yeah, satyr. A, a satyr yeah. or a fawn or something like that with the goat legs. That's, okay. That's not the kind of goat man, because, yeah, like, well, the kind of goat man I was envisioning initially was the one that you initially described, which was like a minotaur with a goat head. But yeah, now it sounds like a satyr in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's that's a good description. Um, <laughs> hang on, let me just add that to my notes. Um, uh, he. Yeah, uh, there there are actually a lot of people who think that this goat man um, is some kind of benevolent, ancient, uh, moldy guardian spirit, um, okay. or a, a, a kaitiaki is is the word um, that uh, the indigenous Maori would use, which mm-hmm. is sort of like a protector of nature and forests and water. Okay, um, and that seeing a goat man is actually apparently a very good omen. Or right. at least it's a, a helpful warning to prevent a bad thing from happening to you. Okay. Sort of like um, like a sign saying like something's about to happen. Or right. Or just be careful. Don't. Yeah. Or yeah, something's about to happen. Stop. Um, I, I found this quote on uh, hauntedauckland.com. Mm-hmm. A, a witness says, uh, "You stop and give him a lift, but just a short way up the road, he asks to get out." Uh, sometimes he just disappears from the car, having safely helped you pass the stretch of road where you were about to have an accident. Uh, just seeing him on a da- dangerous piece of road has saved you from an accident about to happen, most probably right where he was standing. Hmm. Yeah, so in that, it's sort of like a ghost story so- sort of thing where 
you know, there's a cliff and you're about to drive off it, but you see a person there and you go, ah, and you veer away and now you don't drive off the cliff. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, and lastly on, on that, there are some people who believe there are actually two goat men out there in the New Zealand wilderness. Okay. Uh, which might, which might explain the two completely opposite descriptions as well of the goat to human configuration. Okay. That's fair. Um, and one is a helpful guardian who wants to dish out warnings to travelers, and the other uh, actually wants to inflict misfortune and death instead. Oh, wonderful! So maybe the the like wanting to hurt you one is the is, is the goat horn guy, and the the wanting to help you one is the human with the goat legs. Okay, so the bad one is the goat headed minotaur, and the good one is the satyr in a trench coat. Maybe, although that could just be me <laughs> putting my own prejudices on, like, guy with a goat head, probably not that savory. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I feel, well, I mean, you just think of mythology in general, and usually if the, if the creature had an animal head, they were more of a monster. Like, I mean, minotaurs were literally created as a monster to guard labyrinths you know they they were monsters where it's like satyrs and and fawns were these whimsical forest spirits that you know take little girls to have tea and sardines at their cave in narnia you know (laughs) it's like one of them definitely has a little bit better of a reputation so it's like i don't feel like that's just your bias i feel like that's like a historical bias throughout literature. <laughs> yeah, we, you could, uh, if you could get your listeners to do a poll of um, who do they think is the bad goat man, <laughs> the goat head or the goat legs, which is the bad one? <laughs> which goat man is bad, the goat legs or goat head? We'll leave that up to you guys. Maybe I will start a poll for that. That could be fun. Um, onto some possible uh, explanations and and theories and sort of justifications Mm -hmm. Um, um, uh, one one of the most common skeptical explanations uh, is that the desert road goat man is nothing more than a prank Mm -hmm. uh, intended to scare new recruits at the Waudu military camp uh, that I I mentioned earlier okay Um, so there's a lot of people who say that um, there is a lot of hazing that goes on with the new soldiers that that's very fair yeah yeah and so what would happen is a more seasoned soldier would put on this like elaborate costume this really like full-on goat man cosplay costume mm-hmm. uh and they just start appearing in bushes where recruits will go on various training exercises because this is very much this town waudu is on the edge of this desert area mm-hmm. and there's a lot of wilderness where they train okay. and so you know there's a lot of places that it wouldn't be necessarily uh, under strict surveillance where they could set up something pretty elaborate and no one would really notice. Right. Um, and yeah, and the, so basically they just spook them. They get the new recruits going back to town, making fools of themselves, telling stories. I saw a goat man. And the people are like, ah, oh, you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> and you know, and the older soldiers get a laugh out of it. And then it just spreads into urban myth from there. Okay. Yep. Uh, yep, I yeah, you know, I mentioned that also some people believe, you know, it's a it's an ancient guardian spirit. So that mm-hmm. obviously has a lot more um history and uh heritage to it. Of There's course. Obviously, right. you know, calling it a prank, if it were something tangentially related to that, would be quite offensive, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Um and of course the most common skeptical explanation with uh, with cryptids is that it's just an urban myth. People made it up 
and right. they just add their own accounts to it because they want to be part of the hysteria. Right. I mean, at least it's not an owl. Most of the cryptids <laughs> that we've covered, one of the explanations is almost invariably an owl. Like, yep. oh, it's you know, owl. it's it's this giant, like, floating creature. Oh, it must be a barn owl. So <laughs> It's the desert so, road goat owl. So at least this isn't a barn owl for once. But, I mean... Speaking as somebody who is in the military, I could very easily see it being an elaborate prank used to spook new troops. I could I could definitely see that, Um, especially on, you know, like a stretch of like desert highway where it's like. It it probably gets really boring and people just they, they want some way to like, you know. Mess with new new recruits, I could absolutely see that, um. But like I said, it, you know, it's it's definitely it could be a urban myth, or it could be you know a indigenous story that's been passed down through the centuries. It, there's, um, yeah, those those are all interesting explanations, and I I could see maybe I could honestly even see it being an indigenous legend that's passed down, and it's being perpetuated by the local military people. <laughs> Because right, they're actually either paying respect to it or just acting it out, you know. So it it those are those are all good explanations. Um I always personally just like to go ahead and just believe that the goat man is very real and you know, I because I really I love my cryptids and for the most part, as long as they're benevolent, I'd like to believe that they exist. <laughs> if they're if it is the creepy, you know goat-headed man that's actually trying to do bad things i'm i'm hoping he's not real but if it's the nice you know satyr in a trench coat i'd be okay with him being real <laughs> well three tiny satyrs in a trench coat like stacked, <laughs> stacked on top, on of, top each other. of each other <laughs> um yeah so like i'm i'm skeptical of uh skeptical skeptical um i am skeptical of pretty much everything that isn't easily explained or proven. Right. Um, I'm very doubtful of cryptids in general, but, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a big, but there, I myself have two, have had two very strange things happen on that stretch of road. Oh. Uh, one, one of them may or may not have something to do with this goat man cryptid as well. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, color me intrigued. I'm, my interest <laughs> is peaked. And we'll be back right after the. Um, no, I thought, <laughs> don't you dare! Perfect time for an ad break there. If you want a cliffhanger, um, yeah. So the yeah the first weird thing, uh, which which isn't related, I think, um, mm-hmm. is that when I was in high school, I, I must have been seventeen. I I went on a road trip with my friend uh, with my friends Ben and Brent, mm-hmm. and we were. Uh, heading north on the desert road uh, on our way to a town called Topo, a very popular tourist destination. We were just going to stay by the lake, get drunk, get stupid, you know, dumb teenage stuff. Right. Um, So we were heading north on the desert road. It was the middle of the day. It was in summer. It was a beautiful, bright, sunny, clear blue sky day. It was nothing but us in the open road. Mm -hmm. And then out of nowhere, this pitch black storm just washes over us just this tsunami of thick, dark, like, like a black fog, uh, completely blocking out the sun. It went from midday to midnight, just like in a snap instant. Wow. Okay. And like the car, the car's headlights couldn't even penetrate it like more than a few feet. So the, the speed limit here is a hundred kilometers an hour, which is about 62 miles an hour. Right. 
Um, but we had to slow down to pretty much walking pace and just hope like hell that no cars came racing up behind us because we were basically invisible in this ocean right, of right. darkness, uh, which was terrifying and like very spooky. Uh, but oh, it passed after about 10 minutes and then just never happened again, which I've never experienced anything like that before or since just this pure thick blackness appear out of nowhere. That's bizarre. Yeah. Um, and the second weird thing that happened on that road for me was, uh, in my mid twenties. So maybe a 10 ish years after that, um, I was driving South this time by myself. Um, it was about eight or 9 PM uh, in the middle of winter this time. Uh, so it was very dark. Um, I, mine was the only car on the road and I had my high beams on. I could very easily see the road for at least a hundred meters in front of me. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of clear sight. Um, and then very suddenly there was a person standing right there, like right there, just in front just of the car. Hopped up out of nowhere. Popped up completely out of nowhere, like right on the edge of the road by the passenger side. So like very close, like they could have reached out a hand and touched the hood of my car as I passed oh my like God. that. Um, which, yeah, which spooked me. Cause oh, yeah, that would have scared the crap out of me. Like, like cryptid or not, like there wasn't a person and then there is a person. <laughs> yeah um no no thank you and <laughs> <laughs> um and uh yeah uh, he just like appeared and so i reflexively swerved to give him like a wide berth like you do mm-hmm. when you drive around a cyclist or something of, like that of course yeah um and in the like split second as i passed him he i i turned i i looked out my passenger window and i saw him looking in the window mm-hmm. and it was just like a normal looking guy from what i could see zooming past right just right. like you know no just like a pale face scruffy hair like nothing interesting about him right and i put my foot on the brake to slow down not to stop are you crazy um <laughs> just just wanted to like slow down get my bearings get a hold of myself right, and of then like looking back in the rearview mirror which was lit up by my brake lights um nothing oh god nothing at all. no oh there was no, no-, no. There was no person there. Um, so, yeah, I just sped up and drove home because I was like, uh-uh, no way. Oh, <laughs> heck no. Like, that is we, a like, firm pass from me. No yeah, thank like, you. Yeah, like we drive that road all the time. Like mm-hmm. um, we take our kids to Rotorua and Topor and, and further north. And we go via that road all the time. Mm-hmm. And like every time I drive it now, I just like I think about that night and I'm like. No, no, <laughs> no, thank you. No, no, yeah. no. Like, even if it was the benevolent satyr in a trench coat, no, thank you. That I would, well, yeah, I would like that. I mean, even that one is scary to think about. Yeah, like, just popping up on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. No, thanks. Yeah, because no. like, even if it is a guardian who was there to stop me from having an accident, like mm-hmm. that makes me think like, what would have happened if he hadn't? Right, right. You know, maybe maybe something would have jumped out in front of you and caused you to crash if you hadn't slowed down. Who knows? Yeah, That's, like was that the the good goat man preventing me from driving into a ditch or like falling asleep at the wheel or something? Like, right. Yeah, even that was thought it, is kind of scary. Or was it the bad goat man trying to make me crash and I like got away? <laughs> like, which one was it, listeners? <laughs> pole, pole, pole. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's well. Like, or was it just like a motorist who had car trouble, and he just happened to pop out of the bushes at like a really bad time? Right. Yeah. God, I don't know. That's that's terrifying. And 
I don't know how I would react in that situation. I'd probably just, you know, I'd probably do the exact same thing you did. Just kind of keep driving. I'm not going to stop at that, especially, you know, late at night, pitch black outside. I'm not, I'm not going to stop. Um, no. So yeah, that, that's terrifying. No, thanks. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, that, I mean, that's my cryptid, the, um, the desert road goat man. Um, there's not that. really that much you can find out there. Uh, it's more mm. like here in New Zealand, it's just kind of one of those things that you just sort of know about. Okay. Um, like you've heard of it, your mates have heard of it, your dad's cousins, friends, next door neighbors heard of it, mm-hmm. but like nobody writes about it. So like finding sources was quite, you know, they're few and far between. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's super fascinating. I've, never heard of that one before um i mean i, I was mentioning to uh, my guest last time eva that most cryptids that most people have heard of tend to really come from the united states you know i mean you've got your outliers like um the loch ness monster or things like the chupacabra which come from like mexico but I don't know, generally for the most part, when people think of cryptids, they're thinking of Bigfoot or Jackalopes or Mothman, you know, and those are all American cryptids. So it's like I've been trying to branch out and look for more cryptids from around the world. So to hear one from New Zealand is really fascinating because I've never heard of it. So thank you for Yay. bringing that one into my realm of understanding and giving me something new to be terrified of at night. So I scared myself telling you that story. <laughs> oh, great. I haven't thought of, I, I think about it all the time, but never in like the details. Right. And like having to think about it in the details to tell you, I'm like, Oh, actually got my heart pounding. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, if I, if I ever find my way over to New Zealand, I'm definitely going to try to drive that stretch of road just because as I've mentioned before, I'm a crazy white person who goes looking for scary things. You know, it, stick. I stick to my cliche. So, um, but yeah, cool. Okay, well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I've got a very in-depth conspiracy theory to talk about. So we'll be right back. We're back. Um, I'm still kind of freaking out over the goat, man. That's... Especially and I'm like still it, Brad. <laughs> I mean, like, especially for me, it's the middle of the night. It's 430 in the morning for me right now. And it's like now all I can and I've got this like sound curtain up behind me. So all I can think is like, God, I really hope Goatman's not behind the curtain. And I'm I'm just I've I'm freaking myself out. But okay. Do you have a sorry, do you have a neighbor I could text to like tell them to go knock on your door right now? Uh thankfully I don't know any of my neighbors well enough that you could do that. So no. Well, I've got a buddy that lives like two blocks away, but he's I guarantee he's passed out right now. He's still recovering okay. from like um LASIK surgery, so it's like no, he's I'm sure he's passed out and doped up on like Percocet right now. So it's like <laughs> he's not going to be coming to knock on my door at 4:30 in the morning. So all right. So if I were to tell you to name two big things that you don't trust, what would they be? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm a pretty trusting person. So that, this is quite a, quite a tough question for me. Okay. Um, people with goat heads. That's uh, we've, <laughs> we've established that. Mm-hmm. Um, Right-wing governments. <laughs> okay. 
So government is definitely one thing that most people would think of. The second one that I was kind of hoping that you'd go for was big businesses. You know, like oh yeah, like yeah. Any, anyone who's trying to anyone who's trying to sell you something, I mean, that's like a given. Like you, you can't trust the motive where you where the where there's money. Right. Yep. Um, so in this conspiracy theory, both of these are the main antagonists behind it: big business and the government. Um, and when I'm talking big business, I'm not just talking about like like Walmart or Target or something like that, um, or McDonald's. I'm I'm talking like big tobacco, big pharma, that sort of like big conglomerate. The the industries. Yes. Um, so this is the theory about the suppression of technology. Um, basically Ooh. what, yeah. So basically what that is, is, um, it's, it's a theory stating that certain big businesses and world governments are suppressing technologies that could further advance society, um, as a way to continue to make large sums of money and keep better control of society. Um, think of things kind of in line with, um, how a couple of years ago, big tobacco, like suppressed vaping. Um, because it was taking away their consumers and their profit margin. Like, I don't yeah. know, if, I don't know if you remember that, but a couple of years ago, like vaping was kind of a uncensored market. They were, they were new. Um, and it was just kind of, they were doing their own thing. And then big tobacco came in and put all the, like slapped all these regulations on it and came out with like these, you know, facts and statistics about how vaping is more dangerous than smoking, you know, a cigarette and it'll explode yeah. in your face because we found one news article that said that it exploded in this person's face, but it turns out that the person had modified their vape and it exploded because they didn't, they, they were, you know, fiddling around with something that they shouldn't be fiddling around with. But, uh, you know, so it's like, that kind of technological suppression yeah, where big, it's like, big sugar does the same thing with with artificial sugars yes every yes now and they then. do yeah we'll come out and say like our product's natural yeah it rots your teeth and it right. kills you but it's natural and these right. other things will give you all sorts of nasty bugs you know yep. like, maybe not yeah so i'm talking about that kind of technological suppression but on a bigger scale than just vape pens and corn syrup so yeah um so like I said, this theory is with a lot bigger, bigger technical, uh, bigger technological advance. Uh, my God, <laughs> it's four thirty in the morning. It is four thirty in the morning. Bigger technological advancements uh, than a cotton candy flavored water vapor laced with nicotine. Um, they range from mild to wild and include things like longer lasting light bulbs all the way to cold fusion. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down different technologies and then list the potential suppressions behind them. So I'm going to start with light bulbs, which I said was very mild. Um, Long-lasting light bulbs have apparently been suppressed for years. Um, in January of 1925, the Phoebus cartel was formed and was comprised of companies such as General Electric, Philips, Osram, and Associated Electrical Industries. Uh, this cartel's function was to control and standardize the manufacture of incandescent light bulbs. Uh, up until the cartel was formed, most light bulbs had a life expectancy of 2,500 hours. But once the cartel was formed, they all kind of banded together and created a monopoly where they could standardize the life expectancy of light bulbs. And they all kind of agreed to bring life expectancy down to a thousand hours instead of the 
2500 citing yep. that it was more economical and cost efficient not only to the manufacturers but to the users as well um basically saying that a light bulb that burned for 2500 hours wasn't going to be as bright and was going to cost more in the long run for you as a consumer to use than it would be to use a 1000 hour light bulb um and they'd even go so far this giant monopoly of light bulb companies um as they'd fine smaller companies if they came out with a light bulb that lasted longer than a thousand hours like they'd actually stop making us look bad yeah they would actually slap them with like a huge fine and all sorts of like you know like uh uh what's the word penalties penalties there you go thank you i was thinking consequences so um one of the main reasons behind why this cartel was formed was actually in part because General Electric owned the patent to the Edison bulb and they wanted to control the overseas market and ensure that major competition never arose or if it did, they could easily buy them out. So in a sense, this cartel was actually a form of monopoly. And you can actually look at the records and General Electric bought up a lot of small like light bulb and electricity businesses at the time because they didn't want competition. Um, yeah. Makes perfect business sense. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, and I learned this from my dad when I was kind of talking to him about what my topic was going to be. Um, incandescent bulbs were actually, at least here in the States, were banned for a while. And that kind of opened up the lighting market to alternative forms of light. It actually... So it kind of did unsuppress the lighting market because then all of a sudden we had LED and... Um, fluorescent lights and stuff like that because all of a sudden they said we couldn't use incandescent bulbs because they weren't um very efficient uh cost efficient lighting so it it did kind of inadvertently 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 slowed themselves down yeah but they did kind of um suppress this technology but um but i don't know it's different from the theory so Uh, The reason this is only a theory, though, and not a fact is despite the fact that it is well documented that they absolutely did cut the lifespan of these bulbs and like by over half um, is that their reasoning is just it's scientific. So basically, they, they did state that you could have longer lasting bulbs, but they wouldn't give off as much light and they'd be more expensive to use and would waste more electricity. And since that is all true, at least of the light bulbs that were made back in that era of 1925, we can't really prove that they were doing it for nefarious reasons. You know, all we can do is prove, well, their science was accurate. Uh, The cartel disbanded in 1939 due to World War II, but by that point, the damage had already been done. Um, So who knows if we could have had longer lasting, efficient incandescent bulbs, though Apparently now, um, I guess Trump has said we can use incandescent bulbs again. So maybe that market will open back up and people start making better, longer-lasting incandescent bulbs. I don't know. All I know is why would you want an incandescent bulb when you can have LEDs that are super bright and last forever? Maybe, yeah, maybe you need something to light the way after you get in your time machine and go back 60 years. I guess. I don't know. They're not gonna, because they're not going to know what to do with your LEDs, your fancy LEDs, Sammy. I mean, as long as they've got like a, you know, a two-prong outlet, my LEDs should work. 
and they they take a lot less energy than an incandescent bulb and they shine super bright and in you know hundreds of different colors so i don't know our, i feel like leds are a great technological advancement but i digress uh, the next technology we're going to talk about is alternative fuel vehicles. Um, and then I'm going to, at one point, break it down even further into one specific type of alternative fuel vehicles. But this is just alternative fuel vehicles in general. Um, so did you know that electric cars aren't a new thing? Like, no. they're, they're not a very new concept. In, in fact, electric cars existed from almost the beginning of automobiles. And that was something I didn't know wow. until no, I neither, like neither did I. That, that's that's awesome. Yeah. So basically, um, at the time, electricity was not only very costly and inefficient, um, but it was also actually seen as faddish, and people thought it wasn't going to stick around long. <laughs> Imagine that, right? So, um, so basically, at the time, like people weren't using electricity. A lot, you know, it was still kind of like not a new concept, but it's like using it in your homes and for cars and stuff like that. It was kind of a a wealthy privilege, you know. Um, if yeah. you did have electricity, you didn't use a lot of it. So using something like electricity for a car was just it was it was a good idea, but it was like this: it, it takes too much electricity and it's too expensive. Um, so a lot of car manufacturers didn't pursue produce like mass producing electric vehicles like there were some that existed but they just weren't common because they were too expensive and inefficient looks like now i mean kind of yeah so and the conspiracy here basically says that the um the aforementioned reasonings coupled with big oil not wanting to lose money suppressed the creation and manufacturing of things like electric vehicles in order to continue to validate fracking and wars in the Middle East over oil and things like that. Um, the first fully electric car wasn't until 2008 with the Tesla Roadster. And even now, 12 years later, electric cars are still relatively unaffordable like i mean mm. you can get hybrids for reasonable prices but they they still use gasoline and fossil fuels and stuff like that um but like full electric vehicles even like the lowest end tesla is like forty thousand us dollars you yeah. know it's like they're still like i mean it's it's relatively affordable but it's also it's not it's not like, you know, just a Ford Fusion that yeah. anybody can buy, you know. It, it's, it's not within reach for, for most people. For most people, yeah. It's like, yeah. It, it's not only available to the wealthy elite, but it's definitely not available to the general public either. So, um, uh, other potential alternative fuels for automobiles that were supposedly suppressed were the Charles Pogue carburetor from 1936, which could apparently achieve 200 miles per gallon or 85 kilometers per liter um, and reach speeds up to 70 miles per hour or 112 kilometers per hour. Um the Paul Pantone carburetor from 1970, which used a process called thermal resonant cracking and an internal refinery to use crude oil as a fuel source with practically zero pollution. And in 1977, the Tom Ogle Ford Galaxy apparently achieved 100 miles per gallon or 42 kilometers per liter with an average speed of 55 miles per hour or 88 kilometers per hour. 
So there were apparently these other fuel alternative vehicles that either came out or were proposed that just never took off. I mean, 200 miles per gallon, that's, that's pretty impressive. You know, 85 kilometers per liter. That's an impressive distance on. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. You know, like, I mean, my current car is like a nine gallon tank and it gets like 400 miles, 430 miles per tank, which by today's standards, that's great gas mileage, but it's, that's not to that. Yeah. But that's no 200 miles per gallon. You know, that's, I mean, 200 miles per gallon, let's see, times nine, that'd be 18,000 miles. Did I know? 1800. I'm terrible at math, by the way. (laughs) Mathematics is not my thing. So yeah, 1800 miles per tank. That's a ton. I could have driven big, from California to Mississippi without having to fill up once. Yeah, big oil don't get none of Sammy's money. <laughs> they wouldn't get anybody's money for that. But um, so the next type of fuel alternative car that I'm going to talk about, um, and this one I've actually got like a couple of pages on. This one was is a very popular fuel alternative vehicle that's supposedly been suppressed is the water fueled car. Um, there are a lot of popular conspiracy theories about this being suppressed and stuff like that. So, um, this one's actually been talked about for decades. Like the first water powered engine that I could find mention of was from 1969. So they, they've been talking about this for a long time. Um, many proposed water engines have been put forward over the years, but a lot of them have been dis like disproven or debunked. Um, and many see that as like the suppression of a very clean and renewable energy source. Um, instead of realizing that it, it's a lot of these proposed engines violate the laws of thermodynamics and that's why they, yeah. they wouldn't work. It's not that they're being suppressed. It's that they wouldn't work because thermodynamics prevents it from working. Um, um, there have been numerous attempts, though, and the fact that many of their inventors either died or were sent to prison does raise some suspicions. Like, I'm not going to lie. When I was doing this research, like, I think I have, like, six different, like, um, six different versions of this water-powered engine, and everybody either, like, died or got sentenced to prison or just disappeared. And it, it – yeah. I don't necessarily believe – in the suppression of a water powered engine, because like I said, I don't think a water powered engine has really been invented yet, but I can see the coincidence of everybody either being put in jail or dying as raising some eyebrows. So, Oh, definitely. It's like a mobster movie. (laughs) Right, right. So the first one, like I said, comes from 1969, uh, from a Filipino inventor named Daniel Dingell. Uh, he claimed to have developed a water powered technology and as late as 2000, he partnered with Formosa Plastics Group to further develop the technology. But then by 2008, the company, Formosa Plastics, did end up suing him for fraud, and he was sentenced to 20 years in prison at the age of 82. So they worked with him for eight years to develop this technology and finally sued him because the idea he had proposed and and they dumped a bunch of money into ended up being fraudulent yeah well it, so, it could actually be yeah it could be that 
that mm-hmm. you know they spent all this time and money on him only to realize he'd been bluffing this whole time right. um or he could have done it and then they could have been like well we want him out of the picture so right. we can have this awesome thing right that's yep and see that's where these conspiracies come in you know um the next one comes from 1980 so a little over 10 years later man named man named Stanley Meyer claimed to have built a dune buggy in 1980 that ran solely on water. However, this dune buggy was never seen. Um, and his explanations of how exactly this engine worked varied wildly. So in some cases he claimed that he had replaced the spark plugs with a water splitter while in other cases he claimed it were like it was claimed to rely on a fuel cell that split the water into hydrogen and oxygen. Uh, his claims were never verified, and in 1996, he was charged with gross and egregious fraud before dying of an aneurysm two years later. And many conspiracy theorists believe that he was poisoned to hide his finding, hide his findings. I'm having problems talking tonight, guys. I swear. That, that's just part of the conspiracy. They don't want you to talk about this. Oh, yeah, so they knew that I was going to talk about it. But they, they spiked my Diet Coke with <laughs> with a numbing agent that makes me tongue-tied. Um, but, yeah, so people people said that he didn't actually die of an aneurysm. They say that he was poisoned, and it was all to cover up his water-powered dune buggy, I guess. Um, so 22 years after that, in 2002, uh, Dennis Klein, the founder of Hydrogen Technology Applications, patented a water-powered engine that used a mixture of hydrogen-oxygen gas that they trademarked as Aquagen, which is... That is... It's catchy. I'll give it that. You know... It sounds like an exercise class. <laughs> water-powered exercise. Uh, Aquagen, though. It, I, like... To me, it sounds like a, a water brand, you know, like you've got Aquafina, you've got Dasani, and then you've got Aquagen. You yeah. know, it, I don't know. It's the just, bougiest of bottled waters. <laughs> the bougiest bottled water. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was a mixture of hydrogen, oxygen, gas, trademarked as Aquagen to power the vehicle. According to their patent, the production of Aquagen created a new unproven state of matter called mag- magna gases which is what okay. gave it which is what gave it its power um so basically you know we've got the the stage or the stages of matter which is solid liquid and gas and then the fourth stage which is like plasma i think right i i thought it was magna gas well according to this it's <laughs> magna gases um so Klein at one point even said that his company was in talks with the U.S. government to produce like the Humvee that ran on this technology. However, like a couple years after that claim, his company no longer claims to have an engine that solely runs on water, water but rather a hydrogen fuel enhancement that makes normal fuel more efficient. So since claiming that he's worked with the U S government, all of a sudden the company no longer claims to have ever had a water powered engine. They're basically like, Oh no, we never said that. And that one, especially that one, especially strikes me as fishy because it's like they start working with, they they claim they start working with the U S government. And then all of a sudden, no, we never said we had that technology. Who told Hmm. you that? Was it Steve? Was it Steve? It's just, 
it's fishy. It's like maybe the government's suppressing them there. So like I said, a lot of these, it's like, I don't know if I believe them or not, but there's a lot of coincidence here. And I, it definitely raises eyebrows. Um, also in 2002, Genesis World Energy claimed that they had invented a new technology that created energy from water by separating the hydrogen and oxygen and then recombining them within the engine. By 2003, they claimed that they had adapted this technology to be used in cars and ultimately collected $2.5 million from investors. And then three years later, in 2006, Patrick Kelly, the owner of the company, was sentenced to five years in prison for theft because none of their products had ever been made or had ever made it to the market. And he was ordered to pay $400,000 in restitution. So Okay, so he still made away with $2.1 million. Right, yeah. That's that's what I thought. I was like, oh, only four hundred thousand dollars. That that's like chump change when you have two point five million to you know just whatever. Uh, in two thousand eight, Japanese company Genipax claimed to have created a water powered engine, though their process for how it worked raised a lot of questions as to whether their um, actual energy source was water or metal hydride, which is used in combination with water to create hydrogen. So in order to create hydrogen, you have to like combine water, which is hydrogen dioxide and metal hydride. So basically their engine kind of separated the water and the metal hydride and used the metal hydride as the fuel source. So a lot of people were like, is this actually a water powered engine or a metal hydride powered engine? Um, But the very next year after those like suspicions were raised, the company announced on their website that they were shutting down due to lar- due to large developmental costs. So and too many magna gases. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> um, also in two thousand eight, a man named now this is um, a Sri Lankan name, so I might butcher it. Thushara Priyamal Edira Singh. I don't know. I, I did my best there. Um, he claimed to drive a water-fueled car about 190 miles or 300 kilometers on three quarts or one liter of water. He went so far as to prevent, present his invention to the Prime Minister of Sri Lanka, who fully supported the product to be introduced to the Sri Lankan market. However, a few months later, he was arrested for suspicion of investment fraud. Right, Okay. So, so what fueled his car? Yeah. There were a couple other uh, examples of this water-powered engine um, that I didn't really write down, but these were like the big ones that I found. And yeah, every single one, they were arrested or died or the company just randomly shut down. And it's like, I don't personally believe a water-powered engine is possible right now because of thermodynamics. And I don't think I don't think we've developed the technology yet. However, there are a lot of coincidences and it does raise some eyebrows and make you think, well, I can at least understand where the conspiracy theory comes from. Oh, definitely. The, there's all the warning signs. Yeah. Um, the next technology that's supposedly been suppressed is free energy suppression. Um, and I know I've talked a lot so far, so I'm, I'm really going to kind of sum this last section up kind of quickly. Um, Free energy suppression is one of the most diverse areas that is believed to be suppressed as far as technological advancements go. And it's 
supposedly been suppressed for a lot of different reasons. Now, when I say free energy, what I'm referring to is viable, pollution-free, and it's low or no-cost energy sources, such as perpetual motion, cold fusion, torus-based generators, and even reverse-engineered extraterrestrial technology. Those are all the different kinds of free energy that are supposedly being suppressed. Um, and according to theorists, they're being suppressed by big corporations, special interest groups, and government agencies, typically ones associated with nuclear power or fossil fuel industries because it would, it would completely undermine their massive income markets. So um, to give a little bit of a description of what these are, perpetual motion uh, the, all of these are Wikipedia definitions, so forgive me for that. But perpetual motion is the motion of bodies that continues forever. And a perpetual motion machine is a hypothetical machine that can work infinitely without an energy source. So basically, it just moves on its own without needing energy. You know, um, And then you just need to find a way to harvest the energy out yeah. of it. Once again the whole thermodynamics prevents this from really being a realistic thing. It's like that bird that keeps drinking that. Oh, Oh, the drinky drinky bird. Yeah. Yeah. I saw one. Um, I saw a meme on, on Facebook like years ago that was like how to create a perpetual motion machine. And it was taking buttered bread, which always falls butter side down <laughs> And taping it to a cat, which always lands on its feet. And basically, you tape the, the bread butter side up onto the back of the cat, and then you drop them. And then they just kind of hover over the ground, spinning infinitely, because they're always trying to land either butter side down or on the cat's feet. And, that, and it was like perpetual motion. And it was super funny. I'm sure you can look that up even on YouTube. It was like a little gif of that it was really funny <laughs> um the next one was cold fusion which is a hypothesized type of nuclear reaction that would occur at it would occur at or near room temperature which is very different from hot fusion uh which is what takes place like in the sun so nuclear fission is when we split an atom and fusion is when we shove two atoms together and usually it's hot fusion because it takes a lot of pressure and a lot of energy to shove those two atoms together. Um, so cold fusion would be somehow done without causing all of that friction and heat and could be done at room temperature. And theoretically, something the size of like a battery, like a double A battery, could power a city for a lifetime. Yeah. So... It's a neat concept, but we haven't figured it out yet. Uh, or, I'm, or I'm sorry, we have figured it out, but it's being suppressed by big <laughs> oil. Um, the next one was Taurus-based generators, and I didn't understand this one. Like, I watched YouTube videos about it. I read articles about it. Like, this was the biggest rabbit hole I went down in my research was trying to understand this, and I didn't. So I'm going to give the definition of what it is and kind of leave it at that. But if you want to go look into it yourself, maybe you'll understand it better than I do. But it's a lot of like nuclear physics and stuff like that. So it is a generator that in layman's terms is kind of shaped like an, 
like an inner tube, like for a pool. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a hollow donut shaped tube and it uses electromagnetics to pull energy from the air around it into the center of the tube or something. I don't know. I spicy donut. It's, it's like a spicy donut. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to explain it any better than that. Like I said, I watched videos that tried to explain it to me and I just sat there. I, I felt like an absolute moron watching these. It just did not make sense to me at all. I think you're supposed to. Maybe. I don't know, but it's theoretically possible, I guess. And they're, they're trying to create something like this. Um, and then the last one is extraterrestrial technology, which is basically the tech that allows for deep space travel to and from planets that are millions of light years away. And also what makes it possible for UFOs to hover and float indefinitely. So basically, you know, for, for spacecrafts, alien spacecrafts to be able to travel from these faraway planets to ours on a single, like to come here and back on a single tank of fuel, they must have some sort of really cost efficient fuel source to be able to travel that far and that fast on like a single tank of fuel. And I'd never really considered that before, you know, when thinking about aliens was, wow. Yeah. They, they must have gas of some sort to power. You say you you haven't really thought of it. Who does though? I mean, who who thinks like aliens have arrived? Apparently some people think about that. I wonder what they drive. I wonder what, well, it's not so much, what do they drive? It's what fuels what they drive. We know they drive UFOs that are flying saucers. It's what kind of gasoline and petrol do they put into their flying saucer? So, What kind of mileage are those uh, big green guys getting? Apparently, they're getting light years of mileage. So, you know, but I'd never thought about that. But apparently, one of the technologies that's being suppressed is alien technology that would allow us to travel into deep space and back on a single tank of cost efficient fuel. So that's as much as I'm going to go into those, you know, they're, they're very interesting. A lot of them are very theoretical. They're interesting to look up if, if you have the time and the want and desire to look into all of that, by all means, go for it. It's very fascinating. It was a little over my head, but super interesting to look in or look into. Um, but like, as far as a conclusion goes, is our technology being suppressed in order to cater to governments and big businesses? I mean, it's definitely possible. Um, we, we've seen similar things on smaller scales of how technology is suppressed. Like I mentioned vapes earlier. Um, another one that's a good example is like smartphone technology. Uh, at least here in the United States, we're very limited on the kind of smartphone technology that we have, you know, like it's pretty much come down to Samsung or Apple, you know, yeah. like we have access to other smartphones, but they're usually nobody really pays attention to them. Yeah. You know, like no, we, no carrier has them, no stores have them. Yeah. You know, it's like nobody really uses them. So it's like pretty much we've, brought it down to Samsung versus Apple, where it's like you look at like South Korea or Japan, you know, they've got Huawei, they've got uh, Nokia, they've got all these hundreds of smartphone brands that, 
usually have better specs than anything that we've got here in the States. You know, they're leaps and bounds ahead of us, but it's more controlled or suppressed in our country because of monopolies and conglomerates that like to keep, quote unquote, healthy competition in check. But it's being done in a way that prevents any real competition from coming in. You know, it's competition in a sense that we've got one company versus the other company, but not like free market competition. So it's kind of being suppressed. But the question herein lies is, is it being done on a grand scale? Like what we've talked about with these technologies. So is it a part of a master scheme? Right. So it's like, maybe, you know, once again, maybe it's being done on a big scale like this. If it's being done on a small scale, it's definitely possible that it could be done on a large scale, but is it probable? And therein lies the the dilemma. For these mass technological advancements to be suppressed, it would it would require a lot of coordination on a lot of fronts. You know, it would it would require a lot of secrecy on a on a very large scale that a lot of that that's where a lot of these conspiracy theories kind of fall apart is the the sheer amount of coordination and secrecy that it would take to get you know multiple world governments and multiple large companies to work together to keep these technologies secret from everybody you know without even one single whistleblower coming forward so it's like is it possible sure is it probable not really mm. you know people aren't that competent yeah so yeah, it, it is possible, sure, but it's like the chances of it actually being probable are relatively low. So we can't really know for certain. I mean, our governments are super corrupt, so yeah, maybe, but I don't know. But yeah, so that's that's my conspiracy theory. It's It was interesting. I probably could have talked even more on this because I only touched on a couple of different technologies that are supposedly being suppressed, but... um there's there's a bunch out there. You should definitely look yeah. into it. It's really cool. It's so. That is that is a very cool topic, and it's one that you see coming up in uh, in, in films a lot. Mm-hmm. Is especially the extraterrestrial yeah uh, te- technology suppression, like Men in Black. The whole the whole premise of Men in Black is aliens have been here for ages yeah. and they're keeping it secret. Yeah. Uh, but even more recent things, Captain Marvel. Um, mm-hmm. which has, you know, as spoiler, I just watched it last night. Um, there was, you know, the, the big amazing Cree light speed engine that exploded yeah. in 1989, which coincidentally same year Taylor Swift was born. I'm not putting those two events <laughs> together, but I'm also not keeping them apart. Um, and, and, and yeah, like it, it, that comes up a lot. And also isn't the whole plot of the, um, the Dan Brown, um, da Vinci codes type things that like the, 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 the Catholic church has been like deliberately suppressing social progress and technology for centuries. And like they even, I think they even say in a meeting with like the, the, I don't even know the big wigs, the, the, the tall hats, mm. the people with the big hats. Um, they even admit something along the lines of like, they, they do it for, for benevolent reasons, right. you know, but, but they, they outright admit like we've been stalling things for centuries. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 an interesting concept that's definitely been thought about a lot and expanded upon in all sorts of science fiction, and it, it's interesting. And it, like I said, it is possible, but I don't personally think it's very probable or even it just it doesn't seem to really benefit anybody. Like I mean, 
yeah, big oil could still make money, but it's like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like if, if something like cold fusion suddenly became possible, everybody who worked with big oil would suddenly jump over and trademark a company with cold fusion. You know, it, it's not like they would suddenly just lose money, nor would it be suddenly everybody's using cold fusion. You know, it would take years to like finally work in, work that into our current system. So it's like they, yeah. these big oil companies would have more than enough time to merge over to that system, you know, and continue to make money. So like I said, it just, it doesn't seem logical to suppress technology like that. I just, I don't see the point, but, but yeah. So anyway, I'm going to wrap things up because I, we, I've been talking forever. It feels like, so thank you guys for listening. Um, I, I just, I cannot begin to tell you guys how much I appreciate all of our listeners and, and, how awesome this is. We're, we're starting to close in on 50,000 downloads, which we've been going since May of 2018. I mean, it's just been a little over two years and we're already closing in at 50,000 downloads, which is, I don't normally pay attention to the numbers, but that's a milestone and it's super cool. And it's awesome. It's all thanks to all of you guys. And, and thank you, Brad, for coming on. It's been really cool having all my different guests on here and, and getting to expand our podcast family and and get to talk with you guys and and get to know you more because I haven't actually talked to you at, like face to face like this, yeah, at all. So you know I've talked to you on Facebook, but not actually like video chatting. So this is cool. Um, where can we find you and your podcast on social media? Um, well, me nowhere. Um, I I have personal um social media accounts that i literally never use i've got my mm. own twitter my own facebook i have i just don't exist so <laughs> i don't use those i haven't updated them in ages um but fate of ison can be found on pretty much everything uh it's all at fate of ison all one word okay. uh, f-a-t-e-o-f-i-s-e-n um uh and t- yeah twitch discords we, we can be found there um fate of the website. There we go. Go there. And it has links to all the other things as well as cast profiles for the awesome. players. Um, there's a wiki for the world, uh, which has many, many pages cause I'm a huge nerd. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, I will be putting a link to at least your website and probably your social medias in our, our show notes and description. So people will be able to find you there. But, um, once again, thank you for coming on the show. Maybe I can jump in on like a one-off session on, on fates of eisen you know and yeah thank you for getting up at 4 a.m to talk to me <laughs> it, i have nothing going on i'm still on quarantine you guys in new zealand have kicked coronavirus to the curb we're still in the thick of it and my state is number one in the country we're number one not in the not in a good way so and, winning question mark <laughs> And we've also got, you know, like two hurricanes right on their way to us, which by the time this episode comes out, hopefully they'll be passed and hopefully I survive. But at time of recording, we got two massive hurricanes heading directly towards us. But so thanks again for listening. I appreciate you. And don't forget, Big Big Brother Brother is watching. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Conspiracies and Cryptids with Sammy and Tessa. Don't forget to check out our website, www.conspiraciesencryptids.com, for more episodes and other information. 
And if you're really enjoying what we're doing, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash cryptipod. That's C-R-Y-P-T-I-P-O-D. There you can find different ways to support us and get some awesome goodies along the way. While you're at it, you can also find us on all of your favorite social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's any one of those at Cryptopod. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please think about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Leave us five stars and a nice little blurb about why you like us. It helps us to gain some traction and find some new listeners. And while you're at it, don't forget to tell your friends, because our friends are your friends. (laughs) And don't forget, Big Big Brother Brother is watching. watching.